Today's scripture reading is in John chapter 15, verses 5 through 17. I'm going to be reading the NIV version, New International Version. And if you want to look in your Bible, it's in page, most of the Bibles in page 876. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. This is God's word. When I was in college, I wanted to be a missionary. I wanted to go out and change the world and do great things for God. And what could be greater than telling people about Jesus who have never heard about Jesus, right, in other countries? So I I found a missions organization that would uh, send me as an English teacher. uh, And this organization sent English teachers to countries where you couldn't get a missionary visa. Uh, So what you would call a closed country. And I I wound up serving uh, in Vietnam for a year teaching English. Teaching and living and trying to share my faith. And God used that year in my life and for his purpose but not in the way I expected. Uh, During my year there, in fact, I became somewhat deflated because um, I didn't lead anyone to Christ that I know of. I didn't feel more spiritual. I didn't uh, accomplish anything great for God. If anything, I felt weak. I felt tired. I felt sometimes lazy. I felt like, in other words, myself. The same Tyler that was uh, in the United States was the Tyler that was in Vietnam. I remember one particular day riding on this bus through the rice paddies in the countryside going somewhere, and I was surrounded by Vietnamese people and Vietnamese sounds and Vietnamese smells, and instead of having a, a passion to reach these people for Christ, I just felt grumpy and tired, you know? And it dawned on me that maybe I needed to change a little bit before I tried to change the world. 
Now, this is the problem I want to address today in my sermon, and there's a there there's there's this thing in American Christianity in particular, I think, where we elevate what we do for God is way up here. All these things we should accomplish for God. And then way down here somewhere is what God is doing in us. And the two aren't really connected. And what I wish the 22-year-old Tyler had known, and what I want to tell you today is this, that what God does through you, he also does in you. What God does through you, he also does in you. This is the fifth axiom in this series called Off the Treadmill and Onto the Trail, Seven Axioms for Actual Change. Um, What God does through you, he also does in you, or in the words of uh, the 5th century Christian Augustine, the fire you wish to ignite in others must first burn within yourself. What God does through you, he also does in you. Now, these, uh, these seven axioms, they're not things I came up with. They're put together by a ministry called Gravity Leadership, through which I'm doing a year-long leadership development cohort And the stuff I'm learning was just impacting me so much that I wanted to share it with you. So we're at Axiom 5. Who remembers the first four? Number one, God is always present and at work, not not in special times and places, not on mountaintop experiences alone, but in the everyday valleys and roads of life. That's where God is working in your life. Number two, God is just like Jesus. He's not a demanding judge or a distant deity. He is a Christ-like God, and therefore you can trust him. This ringing a bell for you? Number three, God meets us in reality. That is, when we get real with God about how we are actually doing, then we can change. Number four, you don't know because we skipped it. Ask me if you're curious. Number five today, what God does through you, he also does in you. So, okay, number four was my least favorite anyway. So um, maybe I'll, I'll write a blog post about it. So there's a lot that we could say about this truth. There's a lot of scripture that we could go to to, to delve into this. But I want to focus on one text in particular that you heard read, John 15. And I want to focus on two aspects of this truth. First, it's about partnership, not production. And second, it's about character, not accomplishments. So the first part is like God, what God does through us. And the second part talks about what God does in us. And you know what? Let's pause and pray so that I can make sure... I'm led by the Spirit here. Lord, anoint me, bless me, help me to speak clearly, and only what is true. And we pray that uh, the truths that we hear and uh, uh, how that comes out of your word would fall on good soil. Your words would change us and um, correct us and guide us and produce fruit in this church, and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, number one, first, partnership, not production. 
You know, um, think of the heroes of the Christian faith that we tend to elevate, like Billy Graham or Charles Spurgeon. And we say, look at all the great things they did for God. Look at how God used them. We talk about our Christian service as how God uses us or what we're doing for God. But there's a problem with that. We do not work for God. We work with God. That's what the Bible says. Now, the Bible does have some images about being God's workers, like the workers in his uh, vineyard or um, in his field. But primarily, the, the image in the Bible is working with God as his partners. And the, the, the main metaphor to explain that is fruit. Fruit. That's what the Bible holds up as the, the results of our life or the, the product of our life is our fruit. So God tells Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Um, uh, Paul talks about his ministry of preaching the gospel and establishing churches as fruitful labor. Uh, he writes and says, the fruit of the Spirit, that is, the, what the Spirit of God produces in us, the character he produces in us, is like fruit. Um, <clears throat> and then Jesus himself uses this metaphor of fruit to describe um, what we do with our lives. So let's look at one reference in particular in John 15. Now you are familiar with this passage, no doubt. I am the vine, you are the branches. Jesus is speaking on the night before his death. He's about to leave and he knows his disciples are going to go out and do great things that will change the world forever. And how are they going to do that? What are his final instructions to them? Does he say, I am a general and you are the army, so wait for my marching orders? Does he say, I'm the boss and you're the employees, so follow my instructions carefully? No, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He goes to this metaphor of a grapevine. Now, if you've seen a grapevine... Uh, up close, uh, you'll know that there's a, a thick, woody uh, stem or trunk coming out of the ground up, a, up to a trellis, and then it sends out smaller branches and then smaller shoots still from those branches on which the grapes grow. And, and people hearing this, uh, the disciples would have been perfectly acquainted with this image. They saw grapevines all the time. And what an amazing picture. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, uh, rather, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What an amazing picture that is. We could, we could talk about this whole passage, actually, and really unpack it, um, but we can't do that this morning. The main thing I want to bring out is how this, this metaphor of, of vine and branches illustrates our partnership with God, right? If we are more like branches connected to a vine, we don't work for God. 
We work with him. We are connected to him. And he doesn't use us. He works through us. There's a difference there. We're not like pawns or tools that God sort of manipulates to do his work in the world, like to use us to achieve some end. Listen, if God, God could do things a lot quicker without us. He doesn't need tools like us, right? But he chooses to work through us. That's his, for some strange reason, that's his master plan. Um, Anything of value that we produce, therefore, must come from his life flowing through us into the world. Um, It's not that we are passive. We have a part to play. Jesus wants us to produce fruit, but the fruit on the ends of our branches has to be nourished by the sap coming through the trunk and through uh, through the vine into us. God works through us, not, we don't work for him, if that makes sense. And so, Jesus uh, says this even more clearly, that we are not pawns or puppets or tools, but partners. He says this in verse 15, I no longer call you servants, for a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything I have learned from the Father I have made known to you. Friends, partners. It's, it's amazing. Now, to be honest, that truth sometimes vexes me. I look at my own weaknesses, and I cannot imagine why God would make me his partner in his work. Like, it would be so much easier to do it without me. Without all of us. Why would he choose people like us to do his work in the world? I mean, we have shortcomings and faults and sins. We mess things up. Haven't you ever felt like, God, I'm trying to serve you, but sometimes I think I'm doing more harm than good? Do you ever feel that way? Or like, I, there's just so much I don't understand. How can I possibly uh, teach others about Jesus? It's confounding to me. And yet, maybe the reason God uses us, works through us, is because it's about the relationship, not just about the results. Maybe he wants to include us because he loves us and he can still redeem our failures and, and use us anyway. I was talking to Meg on Thursday morning. We went for a walk, and I was running some sermon ideas past her, and I said, I have this image that we think God is like a boss up in the office telling us what to do and kind of sending out work orders for us to do. That's like working for God. That's what we think. And the more work we get done, the better. The more we accomplish for God. I said, but that's not the way... The Bible says it is. And so I, Meg said, well, what would be another image? What would be a, the correct image for that? And then thinking out loud, she said this, maybe, maybe the right image is that God is like the grandma helping her grandson up on the stool in the kitchen so that he can help her cook. Right? 
The grandma doesn't need that grandson to make the cookies. In fact, there's flour everywhere. There's eggshells in the batter. There's too much vanilla. It's not like she needs him and is using him to get stuff done. She is including him in her work to teach him and to have a relationship with him. That is what it's like with God. God does not use us. He works through us and with us. And for some strange reason, we have the privilege of being partners with God. Isn't that amazing? One of the founders of Gravity Leadership, Ben Sternke, said it this way, Salvation isn't a project that God uses us to accomplish. It is humans participating in the life of God. What God does through you, he also does in you. We're vines connected to, or branches connected to the vine. So it's about partnership, not production. It's about a relationship with God, working with him, not just what we do for him. Well, number two, a second truth that flows out of this, the fact that God does what he does through us, he also does in us, is this. God is more concerned about our character than our accomplishments. It's about character, not accomplishments. Uh, a, A man named Dallas Willard put it so well. The main thing God gets out of your life is not the achievements you accomplish, but the person you become. The main thing God gets out of your life is not the achievements you accomplish, but the person you become. And it makes sense that that God's work that God doesn't work through us to change others without changing ourselves. And put it another way, we can't change others unless we ourselves have been changed. The fire that we wish to ignite in others must first burn within ourselves. And sometimes we forget this or we wish we it weren't true. So, confessions of a pastor here. Sometimes, I'm tempted to think that I can preach to you about prayer and neglect my own prayer life. I would rather preach to you and teach you how to share your faith than actually share my faith. I would rather tell you lots of really interesting ideas about God and, and teach you and and. and and convey these to you than to actually get my boots on the ground with God. Because I forget that the fire that, that I wish to ignite in you must first burn within myself. But if we live like this, splitting what God is doing in us from what he's doing through us, it's a recipe for disaster. I was listening to a podcast uh, weeks ago called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And it tells the story of a church in Seattle that was started in the 90s, the late 90s, called Mars Hill Church, that had a meteoric rise into Christian uh, stardom. It was like uh, the new cool thing in in evangelical Christianity. And it was founded and and, um, directed by a man named Mark Driscoll. Mark Driscoll was an incredibly talented preacher, 
uh, communicator. He was a very charismatic speaker, and he had a particular gift for reaching young men with the gospel and for reaching secular people with the gospel. It was in Seattle, a very secular city. He was, um, before long, his church multiplied into this multi-site network throughout the world. He was getting book deals. He was uh, speaking at conferences. He was everybody's kind of favorite celebrity pastor. Have any of you heard of him? A few of you? Mark, well, at least Dennis has. Mark Driscoll. Well, to those, <clears throat> you know, um, I remember being in seminary at the time and thinking, wow, I hope that I can do ministry like that. I hope that I can make a difference like that. But to those who knew Mark closely, um, things were a lot different. As the stakes got higher with his church, he became more controlling and angry and volatile and verbally abusive to people. And to make a long and painful story very short, the entire Mars Hill network went up in flames in a matter of months. And he wrecked the faith of many people along the way. That is what happens when we elevate accomplishments above character. Because at the time, people were saying, yeah, he has faults, but look how much he's doing for the Lord. Look how effective he is. Look how many people are coming to Christ. And then you know what? It all burned down because he didn't have the character to support his gifts. So it really matters. Character is more important than accomplishments. Who you are is who you will reproduce. What God does through you has to be what God has done in you. Back to this passage in John, Jesus says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, uh, fruit that will last. I got that reference wrong. He says, I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. There's a reason he qualifies it, fruit that will last. Because you can produce fruit. You can do a lot of stuff for God that doesn't end up um, sticking around. If it's not rooted in your character and in Christ, it will turn to dust. And that's true, not just of Christian ministry, but of parenting, of your job, of your relationships with friends. God, Jesus wants you to produce fruit that will last And the only way to do that is to let God work in you before he works through you or as he works through you. I was thinking about this a few weeks ago while writing my letter for the annual report. We always face the temptation in church to look to to say, look what we're doing. We're we're running a Sunday school program and we have a live stream and... um, We have small groups happening, and we have new members coming. We're doing this and this and this for God. But what matters more is what God's doing in us. Is God changing you? Are you submitting your life to him? Are you growing in Christ? So we need to be people who say, Lord, change me. Help me to become the kind of person that I'm teaching others to be. 
But let's, let's look at this from the positive side. When you understand that character is more important than accomplishments, I think you can learn two helpful things. First, everything you're doing for others is your curriculum for spiritual growth. So maybe it's raising children or taking care of an aging parent or working in your job or doing your schoolwork as unto the Lord, sharing the gospel with a friend, helping someone who's hurting. All of those things are not separated from what God is doing in you. They are part and parcel of God's training for your life. And so you have ample opportunity to grow. To say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me today? Um, what are you trying to teach me as I, as I struggle to be a good parent? What are you trying to teach me as I, as I work to be a good boss or employee? Because what God is, does through you, he also does in you. And on the other side of that, the ways God has shaped your character become the most powerful uh, points of your ministry to others. You know, Paul says it in first, Second Corinthians chapter 1, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Paul was going through some terrible stuff, and in it, he was finding God's comfort, God's strength, and that became his ministry to others. So whatever God has done in your heart and has grown ways he's grown your character— that's how he can use you in other people's lives. If you want God to work through you, to do great things for him, then start by looking at where he's made himself most real to you, where he's changed you. Because what God does through you, he also does in you. I want to leave you with a, with a little um, picture in your minds. Imagine that you uh, go, your life ends, and you stand before Jesus. And Jesus says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. He says, come with me. I want to show you something about your life. He takes you to some kind of like heavenly projection room where he sets up a film that has, it's kind of like the highlight reel of all the ways you have blessed and served and helped others in his name. All of the most significant ways that he has worked through you. And he plays the tape. I don't know what would be on your tape. Maybe sharing the gospel or being a good parent or teaching your grandkids to love Jesus or uh, serving sacrificially. And you watch it, and maybe some things surprise you, like, oh, I didn't know that you were using me in that area. And then he says, I'm going to play you another tape, and this shows you all of the, the times that I worked in you the most, all the ways I changed you. And he, he starts it up, and you say, wait a minute, are you sure this is the right one? 
because he's actually playing you the same tape you already saw. What God does through you, he also does in you. And this is to God's glory that we bear much fruit, showing ourselves to be Jesus' disciples. Amen. We have the, the privilege now to celebrate the Lord's Supper and to once again orient ourselves, to humble ourselves, to, to um, remember what Jesus did for us. And if there's any, you know, if there's any way that God has worked in us the most, it's by forgiving our sin, regenerating our hearts, Um, making us new creations in Christ. And that's what we're here to celebrate today.